Baxi's Musical Podcast is brought to you by Canna Provisions. Canna Provisions is an adult-use cannabis dispensary with the largest selection of cannabis products in western Massachusetts with locations both in Holyoke and in Lee. They offer warm, unique shopping experience with guides rather than bud tenders. In fact, they're not just a dispensary. They're a destination. Visit CannaProvisions.com. That's CannaProvisions.com. Adults 21, please, and please consume responsibly. And now, Baxi's Musical Podcast with my guest, Bob Mould from Husker Du. Baxi's Musical Podcast. In September of 2020, I interviewed Bob Mould from the band Husker Du. The problem I have with Bob is this. He keeps putting out records that I want to own. Between the six albums that Husker Du released between 1982 through 1987, to the records he released with the band Sugar, to his 15 different solo albums and various side projects, and his massive 24-CD box set called Distortion, 1989 through 2019, which came out during the pandemic, there is simply nothing that I do not own. In fact, I even own multiple copies of each album in some cases. It's a real sickness. Of course, if Bob hadn't released so much great music over the last 40 years, I probably wouldn't have this problem, but I do. And of course, Bob Mould has just released a new three-song EP called The Ocean. And of course, it's great because it always is. Bob is currently on the road with his solo electric tour, which he's finally getting a chance to promote his last full-length album called Blue Hearts, plus the box set. In fact, he's coming through this area at the Hawks and Reed Performing Arts Center in Greenfield, Massachusetts, on Sunday, May 22nd, it's going to be a hell of a night, which is why it is always so great to the guy who has made me so broke. This is my guest, Bob Mould, from Husker Du on Baxi's Musical Podcast. Hey, Mike, it's Bob Mould. How are you? Great, Bob. How are you? Oh, doing okay, thanks. Uh, I'm in Newton, New Jersey. Uh, it's a little bit of a mad scramble. It's the first show of the trip. That's got to be pretty cool. I mean, you just you're getting back on the. I know you just tested. Didn't you just test positive for COVID not that long ago? Yeah, I had a run of dates in April. I had uh, 15 shows, and uh, after show 13, the, the the evening after show 13, I tested positive. Uh, it was the second test of that day as well. So I'm glad I. <laughs> Glad I had enough sense to know that I probably was getting sick. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, pull, I had to pull the last two shows to reschedule for later in the year, but now resuming for uh, for the month of May and all the month of June and some work in July and more coming in October. I'm, I'm glad you're okay. I, I had it in December, literally the day after Christmas. My wife and I both got it, and you know, we, were, we were knocked on our ass for a good 10 days. So there's one thing I've learned about COVID. I never want to get it a second time. So... I'm glad you're doing well, and I'm glad you're back on the mend and on the road again. How awesome is that? It's great. Uh, you know, I mean, this is how this is how the majority of musicians make their living is by selling tickets, <laughs> and uh, you know, so there's the practical matter of touring. Then there's also you know the spiritual part. This is what I do with my life. This is how I tell stories. This is how I try to build community and and do all the the good stuff that music can do and. So yeah, it's uh, you know it's great to be back. You know in the in the Northeast, it's a, you know a little touch and go at the moment. I 
you know, things are things are starting to heat up again with the with the spread. And I think we're all going to try to do the right thing and do the best we can and, and see if we can get through this. The uh, the last time I spoke to you, you were just about to release the box set, and I uh, I debated for all of six seconds whether or not I was going to go and and buy it. And of course, you know, I did immediately. I got the uh, the autographed copy of it. Uh, in fact, I'm looking at it right oh, now. Wow. All 24 CDs. So uh, it, it ain't just tickets. It's also when I decide to buy a box set. I I, I hope that puts a you know a meal on your table or you know get you a bus ride somewhere. I hope I hope I've contributed in some way. Mike, you certainly have. Uh, you know, mo- uh, you know. First and foremost, all the all the proceeds like that usually go towards health insurance. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> and cl- and clearly there are times when you need it. So that's uh, I'm I'm glad to help. But what it boils down to is, you know, uh, so a lot of the things on the on the box that I already owned. Uh, so I now own literally everything that you've ever released. So I- I'm going to implore you, could you just please just slow down a little bit? I'm not sure I can handle much more Bob Mold financially. <laughs> Oh yeah, I know those box sets are crazy. I mean, you 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 purchased the 24 CD with the with the signed uh, screen print, which is you know awesome. an awesome package. You know, for people for people who may or may not know, there's the uh, you know there's four other box sets out there, the four iterations of vinyl box sets. You know, that's 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 real real deep. If you get in that get in that deep water, but. Uh, yeah, the distortion box set was a was a was something that's been talked about for years with Demon Records. They're a UK label. Uh, they're affiliated with the BBC, and I've I worked with them on the Silver Age album in 2012. I worked with them on the Sugar reissues in 2012, and we, you know, we stayed in touch. And they really wanted to do, you know, a big edition like the one that you have, uh, and I kept putting it off and putting it off, you know, because I felt like, well, I'm sort of really, really busy with my current stuff. But, uh, but yeah, so we, we had it earmarked for 2020 and, you know, Blue Hearts, which was the, you know, the current album that came out at the same time as the box set, that was more of a a quick down and dirty sort of, you know, sort of inspired by the, you know, the politics of the time, uh, you know, punk rock album. So, all of it fit together really nicely, I think. It definitely did, and 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 like you said, when we when we talked about it last time, you know, some of these songs were were held over from Sunshine uh, from Sunshine Rock, but yet they still applied because, like you said, the mood of the country, you know, the George Floyd stuff, uh, the the Donald Trump years, it all kind of led into a very different type of mood than you were had been experiencing in your recording career. I mean, you know, most people would say the Sunshine Rock album was the happy bolt of Bob Mould, but Blue Hearts was back to the the angry and bittered Bob Mould that we all enjoy. Oh, thank you. Yes, that's... <laughs> that. I, would, uh, I, would, I would agree with that. Yeah, there were, you know, there were, a few, there were a few, you know, political moments on Sunshine Rock, but that, you know, that record was all about healing and trying to find some happiness after, a co- you know, after a couple dark years and some, you know, some darker records and, yeah, Blue Hearts again. It was just uh, so much of it was the frustration of coming back to coming back to the U.S. in late 2019, and you know, looking at this landscape that was eerily familiar to me. Yeah. You know, especially from the early 80s, the first Reagan administration. You know, the beginning of the You know, the beginning of HIV and the uh, the neglect that went for years on that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's all. 
you know, deja vu all over again, as they say. You uh, you picked a couple of songs from uh, Blue Hearts to be on this new EP, The Ocean. Uh, first of all, the title track, The Ocean, and then Forecast of Rain. But what you also did in this EP, and I think this is really very, very cool, is you, you picked a song from Flip Your Wig, uh, Divide and Conquer. And, you know, I went back to look at the at the, at the lyrics, because I, I, I know you didn't just pick a random song out of nowhere in the Husker 2 Arsenal. You did it for a reason. And yep. I looked at the, the lyrics, and it's like, it's pretty prophetic because, you know, those lyrics really still apply to what's going on in the world today. It was a really interesting choice on your part. Yeah, very, very conscious choice. I mean, Divide and Conquer was, was yeah, somewhat prescient, you know, compared to, you know, a song like Makes No Sense at All that's, you know, an evergreen, I guess. Yeah, Div- uh, you know, Divide and Conquer is, a, you know, a favorite of mine. That was a, I, I remember writing that song in 1984 and, uh, in an alleyway in Newport, Kentucky, on a banjo I had just bought at a pawn shop, and uh, <laughs> the you know those 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 words still ring true. Um, I, I don't think any of us could have predicted the internet as you know as it is at the moment. Uh, but you know the idea of hooking up the global village. I mean that's a Marshall McLuhan theory that you know had been around, and I was a you know a student of his writing and. You know, I was in, in college, so, yeah, it's all, the, you know, these, these same ideas about authority and power and control and education and, you know, all the, you know, all of the things that make up our lives and how, you know, how much say do we get as people and how yeah. how much power or lack of power do, does one person get in a lifetime. I've also looked at the, the set list of what you're touring with, and, you know, there's there's a lot for everybody in that uh, in that set list i mean not only you know a lot of husker do but there's sugar and and a lot of your solo stuff and when i saw that you were coming to the the hawks and reed performing arts center in greenfield i actually had to do a double take because this is like the biggest show they've ever had there and and you're choosing a lot of very intimate venues which is really you know for a fan i mean i, I like the fact that it's going to be me a bunch of people and bob mold i like that as opposed to me 10,000 people in Bob Mould. I like that a whole lot more. In, indeed. Um, yeah, the solo electric touring is really fun. It's it's pretty portable, so I can do a lot of it. Uh, the set list, I, I feel like I've fallen into a pretty good groove. I you know I hope I can shake it up a little bit by the time I get to Greenfield. But uh, if if it's the set that you've seen online, that's a it's a pretty pretty comprehensive set. A lot of a lot of recent material from the last decade. A lot of a lot of recognizable songs from across the across the whole timeline. A good, good amount of workbook. A good amount of Husker. It's uh, yeah, it's a really 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 fun show, and I think it tells a I think it tells a good story. When you see the show, you'll 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 get a better sense of the the you know the pacing and the tenor and the tone of the show. It's 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 a lot of fun. I don't think anyone's going to walk away disappointed. And and the one and only time that I've seen you was back in the 80s. I think you guys, it would have been like 85, maybe 86. I'm trying to remember what it was It was about there. And it was it was one of the loudest shows I had ever seen. And it was fantastic. And I, and, I, and I absolutely loved seeing you guys play live. And I remember when Workbook came out and there was, there was some, there were some Husker Du fans that were kind of perplexed by it because, you know, it's such a it's such a tuneful and thoughtful album in a way that people were not used to. But you know, I 
you know, I, I remember listening to that album and being like mesmerized from the very, very beginning and saying this, this is a guy who's trying to put some of that aside and really try to peel himself away from everything that he had done. And I think had you not done that, I wonder where your career would have gone because you have always, always tried to do that. And, and, and you've grown so much as a songwriter as a result of what happened on that first solo record. Ab, you are you are you are almost one hundred percent correct. Um, I can dial sort of dial in my thoughts with with leaving Husker Du at the beginning of nineteen eighty eight. The last thing that was on my mind was making another record that sounded like the band I had just departed from. Why would I leave a band like Husker Du only to try to do that again right away? <laughs> uh, workbook was the product of you know eighteen months of solitude on a farm in northern Minnesota with a couple new guitars and a lot of uh a lot of folk lays records, a lot of uh Appalachian music and Celtic music and you know digging back through folk music from over the from over the eras and a lot of relearning how to play guitar, you know, a little bit more art finesse, more articulation. Uh, the words, a lot of it was written as free verse or short stories that I would write music for, as opposed to, you know, four-line stanzas that rhyme consistently on top of a pop song. Um, all those forms are valid and fun, but Workbook was a, that was a real period of discovery for me, and I did want to make it clear that it was my singular identity. Having said that, as as time went on, I think with Sugar, uh, you know, there were similarities to Husker Du. I think when people see it was a power trio and, you know, loud, aggressive, sometimes really fast, uh, all all the time pretty heavy. You know, maybe that, you know, maybe people were like, oh, he's going, you know, a little return to form. And, uh, you know, after that, a couple solo records that were that were, you know, very, very singular voice. Uh, that the, the electronica period in the early 2000s, and you know the balance of the 2000s, easing back into, you know the more the more familiar you know guitar-driven pop music, and and in 2012 when revisiting the 20-year anniversary of Copper Blue and the simultaneous release of Silver Age, I think that was the beginning of you know this last decade. You know, a, a real, a real incredible run of albums. I'm, I'm sort of shocked that that we went five for five. I no, <laughs> how that happened? I, I mean, that I was going to say. You know, to me, you know, the, the 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 most amazing you know period has been you know Silver Age, Beauty and Ruin, Patch of Sky, and Sunshine Rock, and Blue Hearts too. But it's like you know those those first two albums in in that grouping. They're still some of my go to albums. You know, of all the things you do, I find myself listening to Silver Age and Beauty and Ruin. A, a lot, and 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 the Hubcap album too. I think that's the other one that uh, that really sits very, very well in the Bob Mold solo history. Real, real strong record. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. Well, I think you know with Hubcap, that was uh, you know that was in the wake of the you know the demise of Sugar, and it was you know very, very different, singular. You know, again grabbing that singular voice, and it was you know much darker. You know, sort of informed by a lot of the lo-fi music that was happening at the time. Uh, but with Silver Age, I mean, that was, you know, that's just those five records starting with Sugar with Silver Age 
it's a it's like a textbook example of of a team effort. I mean, I'm leading the charge, I'm writing the songs, I'm directing traffic, but to have Jason Narducci on bass and John Worcester on drums, all of the you know the consistency of the of the musicians on the records, all of the touring that we did, and also uh, Bo Sorensen who engineered all five records. You know that uh, it's a it's a great team and. Uh, you know, I, I, I like being the captain of a team that's that strong. <laughs> I was looking at the at the discography a little bit, and it, it occurred to me that over the next five years, all six of those Husker Du albums will be celebrating their 40th anniversary. Is there are have there been any discussions about anything that you guys might do for that, or any re-releases of that music, or or, or is it or is that kind of all been done for you? Um, I mean, uh, you know, right now, Who's Could Do LLC is represented by an attorney in the Twin Cities. Uh, everybody works with the attorney, you know, and we share ideas. And, you know, there's, there's always different discussions about what to do, you know, whether it's for, you know, anniversaries or, you know, benchmarks like that, like you mentioned. Um, you know, in 2017, when uh, Numero put out the Savage Young Do box set, you know, I, 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 you know, I would say that that is about as good a, a package as, as you know anybody could have done with the unheard music. Uh, in terms of things that are still commercially available, and you know, trying to compile things for anniversaries, not any, you know, not any serious talk, but. You know, again, there's always discussion about different projects, and I'm I'm the kind of guy I'm sort of loath to get into details in public until things are actually about to happen. This <laughs> is the nature of the world these days. Isn't that the, just about the most rock and roll answer you can give? That everything is under the control of an attorney. That says it all well, right there. No, it, well, well, it's it's no different than a band having a manager. So it's it just is right. I was uh, I, one of the things I did do uh, in preparing for the interview. I, I watched a, a video that you had done for Amoeba Records, the "What's in My Bag" uh, video, and you and you picked up uh, you know a couple of my favorites, you know the Buzzcocks and you know Richard and Linda Thompson. You, you stood at the lights and you know "Loveless" by My Bloody Valentine. But then you also picked out an album that I wound up getting on your recommendation, and I was just freaking floored by it. And that's uh, "Ultra Pop" by The Armed. My God, what a great freaking album that was! It just isn't the whole just the whole presentation and the package and just the, the look and feel of it. it, it it's, it's really, really amazing vision that the armed have. They're a, for people who don't know the armed are sort of a music art, uh, visual collective in the Detroit area. And, uh, you know, I have not seen the band live. I've met a couple of the folks in the band and they're sweethearts, but, uh, I haven't seen them live. And that's where people say that it's just, completely mind-blowing the 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 intensity of the of the of the live show so i hope to see them and i'm glad that i'm glad that you like the record i love i I love the record and you know i mean it's a real noisy dense compressed record but the but the melodies of those songs are are actually beautiful i mean they could those those songs could have been applied in nearly any genre and they'd be fantastic but you know it it's a noisy heavy record yeah, lots of uh, when I when I t- when I talk with the folks from the band, they're they're like, "Yep, distortion on almost everything, all the time." <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, I, I, I love that. Yeah, well, it makes it it almost sounds like they took a page from Husker Du. 
Um, I think they've heard some of Husker do. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think there's a chance that Candy Apple Gray has been passed around from uh, member to member of that band. <laughs> I think that's a possibility. No, that's, that's that. That's a nice thought. That's yeah. Nice. I also did some so a little bit of research. You know, back in the '80s, you you co-founded a, a record label, single-only uh, label with Steve Fallon from uh, Coyote, and and you know, the only reason I'm bringing this up is you released some things from Moby. I think Mo, Mojo Nixon was on it, Morphine, but also R. Stevie Moore. And the reason that leapt up at me is I literally just interviewed him last week, and I've become a, a big fan of the guy because this is a guy who's recorded like 400 of his own albums and it's it's quirky and bizarre but pure genius at the same time i mean were you a fan of his or did you know much about him well uh singles only label as you mentioned it was myself and steve fallon who was the uh the, the booker at max you know the booker and the owner and the visionary of maxwell's legendary club in hoboken new jersey and in the, in the 80s in particular but also 90s and beyond uh, there was a third partner as well. His name was Nicholas. His name is Nicholas Hill. He uh, was a uh, was an on air talent, I believe. At oh my gosh, I can't remember what if it was WFMU or WFUV. Sometimes I get the two mixed up, but I think it was FMU or you know in suburban New York over New Jersey. In New Jersey, right? And yeah. and and Nick Hill would have been the. I think he brought our Stevie Moore to singles only label. So. Pretty prolific guy. One of the things I want to ask you about, because I mean, I know that you know, you've had so you know with with COVID and and the shutdown, you had and you weren't like you said you weren't performing because there was no place to go. Were you spending a lot of time writing during that time, or is that or is that just hard to just kind of sit down and 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 write, or is it a real discipline for you? There wasn't a whole lot of good stuff to write about, <laughs> and. You know, one thing. One thing when when anybody is 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 making art is you you have to defend your thesis and you have you have to live with the work that you've done. And you know, the idea of a pandemic it sort of it, it reminds me of, in a way of when I was little and I would ask my grandparents about the depression and they would get this glazed over look on their face and you know <laughs> sort of not really want to talk about anything. <laughs> so. So you know there you know there's a little bit of that uh, a fair amount of my creative energy in 2020 and the first part of 2021 really went into wrapping up the box sets you know putting all this you know the the, the work into Blue Hearts so it felt like 2020 I was pretty much at home either generating you know you know generating content for the box sets alongside the folks at demon or i was working with the folks at merge promoting blue hearts and you know it was a rough stretch for me i mean you know to be to you know, sort of try to dial in why it was tough um the isolation the the lack of being able to defend my thesis in public mm. And I guess what I what I mean by that is my typical cycle throughout my life has been open up the box of you know scraps of paper and all the notes that I keep and the the ideas that that come to me day to day and sit with them and start assembling them and see if I can find a handful of songs that create a theme that reflects you know the the time and once I do that I start doing home recordings and then I, 
you know, then I get the band together and we go to a studio, we record, we master the record. And then there's a period of time between signing off on everything and the release date. So, you know, then we make videos, we do press and then go on the road and going on the road is the validation of all of the other work that I just mentioned. That's when I take, that's the thesis. That's the, the review. And when, I take it in front of people and I see their reaction to the material and you know, that completes a cycle. So my cycle for blue hearts never got completed in 2020. So it was tough for me to figure out where to go next. Having said that now in fall of 2021, the band, you know, me, Jason, John went out and we did a North American tour under, under tough circumstances. And we got through it healthy and we got some of that validation, you know, some of that peer review or the, you know, the feedback from the crowd. And mm -hmm. this current year, 2022, with the solo touring, it's a continuation of getting out in front of people and seeing how the material works. And, you know, and hopefully, you know, when, when, in the best of situations, being able to talk with fans and you know, just get that feedback. And that helps me get the next cycle started. So a long, a long, a long answer to a short question. I was, I've been, I've been writing, but with no real direction, right. I'm hoping when I wrap up this touring, I'll be able to go home and open up the box of, 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 of scrapbooks and notes and junk and, put it all together and hopefully it'll make sense to me. I mean, it, it's a, it's a long answer, but it makes you know, perfect sense. You know, you, you're, you're purging art from yourself and then you want to you know, display it until you get that out of your system. It's kind of, I would assume it's just kind of hard to focus on the next thing when you're still focused on that over there. I, I would, I would assume yeah. that all, all part of a, of a, of a larger cycle. Yeah. I mean, and, and that cycle really started to make itself known to me in the nineties. You know, when I was, you know, when I was in my 20s during the 1980s with Husker Du, we were always, it felt like we were always an album ahead of ourselves. I remember, I remember times when we were still touring Zen Arcade and we were playing not only things that would be on New Day Rising, but ideas that, that found light in, you know, with Candy Apple, with Flip Your Wig. So we used to get, pretty, Husker Du would get pretty far ahead of themselves. <laughs> Because they're you know two very prolific songwriters, it uh, it was different in the '80s. But I think I think with you know starting you know starting with the solo work and especially with Sugar, the long-winded answer to a life cycle of a project that I just gave to you. That's when that started to take shape. Yeah. Well, like I, I know I don't have a whole lot of time with you, and but I I, I appreciate you spending the uh, the time that you did. I I've been. I've been on your bandwagon for an awful long period of time, and it's always great to have you, you know, back on the road again. You'll be at the uh, the Hawks and Reed Performing Arts Center in Greenfield on the the twenty second, I believe it is, and uh, it's going to be yep. great. So, Bob, always a pleasure to talk to you. I hope we can do it again sometime and spend a little bit more time together. Absolutely, Mike, and thanks as always for the help and spreading the word. And we'll see everybody uh, see everybody in Greenfield on the twenty second. Sounds great, Bob. Thank you so much. All right, take care, Mike. Take Bye -bye. care. Bye. Again, the name of the new EP from Bob Mould is called The Ocean. Like we said, Bob will be playing at the Hawks and Reed Performing Arts Center in Greenfield, Massachusetts on May 22nd. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Feel free to share it with everyone you know. Thanks again to Canna Provisions for their support. You can support them by going to one of their locations in Holyoke or in Lee or go to cannaprovisions.com. And you can email me 
at BaxitRock102.com. I'd love to hear what you think. And thanks again for listening to Baxi's Musical Podcast.